In this week's episode, we talk about ways to gain some perspective and start to finally let go of those resentments. Bringing hope and healing. It's your source for personal growth, mental health, and interesting ideas. Thoughtful Mind with Svee. Here's your host, Svee Hilsenrath. And welcome back to Thoughtful Mind with Svee. I'm your host, Svee Hilsenrath. This week's Gratitude City is everyone that lives in paradise, Nevada. Thank you to everyone living in paradise, Nevada, for listening in. Recently, I was interviewed for a different podcast, the Jewish Living Podcast, and you should check that out uh, if you enjoy what I do. We got some stuff that I don't normally talk about or that I haven't spoken about yet. The link will be in the description. And throughout the conversation, we kept returning to a theme that I'd like to expand a little upon here. One of the things that we spoke about was change, and one of the hardest parts of change being getting out of our own heads. So we see the world literally through our own eyes. And it can feel like the entire world revolves around us. We're the hero of our own movie, which is why I call this episode Television Eyes, because we're so used to, in the 21st century, seeing in the television screen as if we were looking through the hero's eyes. And that's what it's like. We have television eyes in that we're all the hero in our own movie because we're all looking out at the world. Everything else is out there. We're inside. And it makes it hard for us to see other people's perspectives or even acknowledge that there's another perspective or that someone else might have another perspective for us to see. And as I mentioned in this interview, I especially see this with people struggling when it comes to their parents. So many people carry resentments to their parents, and it's not just 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds, 40-year-olds, teenagers, kids. It's people into their 70s, 80s, and 90s who have never worked on letting go of the resentment toward their parents. And at a certain point, you need to let that go. As I spoke about in episode 18, letting go of resentments always benefits you. And the connection between a parent and a child is so strong that if there is resentment there affecting that relationship negatively, it's going to bring pain and frustration to the rest of a person's life. Since parents came up so often during this interview, and since I happen to have worked with a bunch of clients in this very area, Uh, Let's explore some techniques within that context, but I want you to keep in mind that these techniques have a broad reach. It's not just limited to parents. Part of the difficulty in letting go of resentment is the difficulty in getting out of our own heads, getting out of that TV eyes phenomena, and seeing other sides to the story. So here's a few techniques to get us out of our own heads. The first is writing a letter. So our thoughts cloud up our head, and they get in the way of moving forward. Um, and part of that is that our brain is afraid of losing these, our thoughts. So we, ha- we, we think stuff and our brain wants to hold on to it. They, it doesn't want to forget this important stuff. Uh, whether it's things that we need to do, things that we want to say, or in this case, a resentment stuff we're holding on to. And by writing down our resentment, by writing down our thoughts in general, but in this case, specifically writing down our resentment in the form of a letter, we allow our brain to relax and move on. So for example, I'm currently working with a client in letting go of resentment she has toward her mother. Again, her mother is long gone. And so I suggested she write a letter to her mother. Now, often I'll have clients read me the letter that they wrote after they write it, but not, not, not in every case. In this case, she didn't. I suggest to people that they handwrite 
their letters because handwriting is more effective. It uh, comes from a different part of the brain than typing. It affects the brain differently when we write versus when we type. And I encourage people to express everything that they wish they could have said to their parent, not just the resentment. Express what you have lost. Express what you wish could have happened. All the feelings expressed toward the parent. Take time in writing this letter. And people, when I first suggest letter writing, people are under the misapprehension that I think that the letter itself will bring about healing. And sometimes it does. Sometimes just writing letter is enough. But the point is that it will bring some healing. But the main thing that writing letter will do in my experience is it will make room for healing. Because you no longer feel the need to hold on to all these thoughts and feelings within your head. And every time I've done this with clients, within a session or two, usually the session directly after they've written the letter, my clients start talking about why they believe their parents acted the way they did. So they shifted from how could they do what they did to maybe this is why. And by getting their thoughts and feelings out of their head and onto the paper, they've made room for other thoughts and feelings. Specifically, they've made room for perspectives not their own. In this case, their parents' perspectives, or just another perspective on how their parent acted, or what their parent believed. Another technique that I'll sometimes use is role-playing. And here, I give the client the opportunity to communicate with their parent or with the person they're holding the resentment toward by taking both sides of the conversation. So what I'll do is I'll have the client there sitting in one chair, and I'll have them imagine that their parent is sitting in a different chair. And they'll have a conversation with the parent, but they'll act out both sides of the conversation. And I've tried in the past taking one side of the conversation, um, and I found that this is not as effective simply because I don't know the person as well. Or, or sometimes what I have done is I'll play the part of the client and then the client will play the part of the parent. I found that when the person takes both sides of the conversation, it's much more powerful because they know themselves and they know the other better than I do. And by letting the client take both sides of conversation, I'm giving them a space to explore outside their own head. And in this case, to see through someone else's eyes. So by role-playing their parent, they get a chance to explore what their parent might be thinking and then have that parent express themselves to the child, to themselves. It gives people a chance to explore what they already know, but have a hard time looking at or accepting. It's giving people permission to look at stuff from somebody else's point of view. It's a degree of separation, almost externalization, as we've spoken about in the past. And that degree of separation gives people permission to look at things that they don't want to look at or accept things they don't want to accept. And when they're given this space, it's amazing what people will bring out. Now, a warning. If this technique is done with a traumatic figure, it can be re-traumatizing. So it needs to be a safe place And um, sometimes I think I've worked with clients long enough where they'll feel safe enough to do role-playing. And then we'll try to use this technique, but they're not ready and I won't push. Because if it's a figure that's so traumatic, it can bring people right back to the trauma. So just that caveat. Another technique that works is an imaginary video camera. So when people are talking about an experience that they have resentment about with their parents... I asked them to pretend there's a video camera recording the events. And what would they really see? What would they see if there was a video camera? They were watching a videotape of what was happening. 
So first of all, it gets you out of your own television eyes, and now you're looking at it literally from a different point of view. And this enables people to view their life slightly removed from the emotions that cloud their thoughts, because human memories are not nearly as reliable as we'd like to think they are. And there's all kinds of research on this, and uh, perhaps in a later episode, I'm going to explore more about memory and why it's not so reliable. But one reason is that our emotional connection to those memories changes the memories themselves. So something happens, we remember it, but that event affects us emotionally. And because it affects us emotionally, that colors how we remember it. And then every time we think about it, it affects us emotionally again. And now it goes around and around like an Ouroboros, feeding off itself and warping itself. And so by asking my client or by asking yourself, if you're to watch a videotape of what you're describing, what would you see? And often when the person's describing it, I'll hear the emotions creeping back in and I'll gently redirect. Remember, this is not what you experienced. It's the thing you're watching. You're watching a videotape. And you can use this technique on yourself and it, it helps to give a different perspective. Again, for truly traumatic experiences outside of therapy, this is not recommended. And one thing that I see happens is people saying, well, I guess it wasn't as bad as I thought that it was. And, and not like in a begrudging way, but in, in, in a curious, uh, exploring way. I find that once I give people permission or once you give yourself permission to look at an event without the emotions attached, it changes how you view that event and then can come back and influence your emotions and break that cycle that we discussed before. Another technique I'll sometimes use and that you can use is exploring the wish. What would life have looked like if you got your wish? Play it out. What would life have looked like if your parent acted the way you wished they had acted? Now, one day I had a man talk about how his father was always working and never spent time with him, which told him his father didn't love him. And the same day, I had a woman tell me how her father rarely had a job and was around all the time and spent time with her, but the lack of financial support to the family was a resentment she had a hard time letting go of. And she said, if he loved me, why didn't he work harder to support me as a kid? And both those things are perfectly valid arguments. But the old expression, be careful what you wish for, you might get it, is also true. You don't know that if you had gotten the way you wish you had gotten, your life would be any better, or or it might even be worse. And by trying to explore the wish, trying to explore how things might have been differently in a realistic way, and not in a wishful way, can often help us let go of those resentments, help us see a different perspective. Obviously, everything in moderation is the best. And obviously, there's situations where, yes, the wish would have been better, sometimes dramatically better, but it is worth exploring. And one final technique that works, and it may be limited to those people that have children, but one thing that you can do is, what are your kids going to say about you? Because when you're a parent, you understand that you're not only a parent, but you're a person too. And you have all kinds of needs and demands on your time you have a limited amount of energy. You have an entire life that's not just your kids. Your kids are, are, are a huge part of your life, but it's not just your kids. And so, so thinking about what your kids are going to say about you can often give you perspective on your own parents. When we're kids, our parents seem all-powerful, like a god almost, like a small g god. Because when you're young, your parents 
control your whole world and, and support your whole world. But parents are just people trying to live their lives the best they can, doing the best they can. And once you've lived the experience of being a parent, it's easier to understand your own parents. And taking the time to think about what are my kids going to say about me may give you a different perspective on the experience you went through with your own parents. Now, everything I've said pertains to the majority of parent-child relationships. Obviously, if there was abuse or serious trauma, therapy is the way to go. And I'm suggesting these techniques outside of therapy as a way to create space between yourself and your thoughts and feelings, and to give you a perspective outside of that television eye view of you being the center of your world. Keep in mind, even though we focused on parents, these techniques are applicable across a wide variety of relationships. It's not just parents that you can use these techniques with. It's just that's what I happen to have been working with recently, and it's a great avenue to explore these techniques. Also, ultimately, our goal is to let go of resentment and forgive people, and to do it without excusing these behaviors. None of these techniques are about excusing behavior. They're about gaining insight and understanding. We can understand behaviors that hurt without excusing behaviors that hurt. And this understanding is often the first step toward letting go of resentment and toward forgiveness. It's not the whole story, but it is a beginning. It's a way through the door. I find that without this step of understanding, we usually cannot let go of resentments. We can't get to forgiveness. If you have time, I suggest that you check out the whole interview I did with the Jewish Living Podcast. The link is in the description. He asked me some great questions, and it was an enjoyable challenge to come up with great answers. I want to thank everyone for listening and for spending time with me every week. And until next week, go out, believe in yourself.